Hey there, this is Jenny Chen. I'm the founder of 3D Heels. Welcome to the Lattice Podcast, the official podcast for 3D Heels. This is where you will find fun but in depth conversations with technological game changers, creative minds, entrepreneurs, rule breakers, and more, focusing on how we can use 3D technologies like 3D printing and bioprinting to reinvent healthcare and even life sciences. This podcast will also include AMA or Ask Me Anything sessions, past Instagram live interviews with influencers, and other direct engagements with our tribe. Hello, everyone. Hi. <laughs> Yay, you made it. All right, Michael, you're in. All right, perfect. Thank you. As predicted, we always have some technical problems at the beginning, but I'm glad we all made it every single time. So, very nice to see you guys,、uh, see your smiling faces. Before we start, This is an interview with Victoria Ham Projects,、uh, Mike Perone. I hope I pronounced your name right. Please correct Perone, me. Perone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Kelly Knight, who is sitting at the corner, social distancing.、Uh, just a little bit about、uh, Victoria Ham Project is a Canadian-based nonprofit focusing on arpolim prosthetics and has been working all over the world helping individuals or specifically amputees、uh, with their missing arpolim. And Mike Perone is the current、uh, chief operating officer. You actually just really recently graduated、uh, in 2016. I mean, it is pretty recent for me. I've been out of college for years, and you're basically the day, operating in day-to-day work for the lab. And Kelly on the other corner、uh, will later talk to us. She is still a student. She's a fourth-year biomedical engineering. Actually, Kelly just graduated、um, at the end of the summer. <laughs> Awesome. I mean, I literally saw you guys growing from a baby to graduated students. So I'm. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of cute、um, that way. But、uh, but today we want to just have a fun conversation about what Victoria Ham Project is about.、Uh, why is it so important? And and what draws you guys to come to work、uh, on what you're doing day to day? Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Do you want me to just start talking about VHP or do you? Yeah. Why don't you give us a little bit of you know some statistics of why it's important to have Victoria Hand Project? Yeah, so、um, for most of the world, upper limb prosthetic care and lower limb prosthetic care is not accessible to many people. This is in developing countries where you know the the cost of purchasing one is way too expensive. There is a lack of trained prosthetists and orthotists who can actually manufacture these devices and fit them. I think. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it's 30 million people worldwide need prosthetic and orthotic care, but they don't have access. I think many of us are thinking, you know, Canada, U.S., Europe, where they have the systems to help provide this care. But in many of these other countries, there just isn't really that sort of、um, accessibility. So what we do is we partner with healthcare professionals in the country. We travel there. We bring some of the 3D printers, like the ones we got here. We bring the 3D scanning system, all the tools, and we train the locals on how to actually manufacture these devices themselves. So I got a Victoria hand right here. So this is pretty much all 3D printed on these Ultimaker 3D printers. This is what people are producing in country.、Uh, this is just a demo unit, so it's black, but then we normally paint it so it's close to someone's skin tone. So the entire cost of producing this is only a hundred US dollars materials, and then we pay the locals good wage for actually doing the three D printing, the assembly, the fitting, and it costs around four hundred dollars to produce this versus other devices, which can be 
you know, much more just for the device itself. That's awesome. You want to t tell us a little bit more about the hand that you're holding? A while back, you wrote an export corner uh, blog, actually naming a couple of very unique features of the hand that you're holding. Yeah, so uh, this is actually our most recent hand model. It's uh, the V300. It's not actually the 300th model, but we just tried to you know, cap it, give it a good name. Um, and we actually just included some laser cut steel links in here, and that helps increase the durability of the hand. You know, the people are using these in many different environments. You know, some people are using them for you know, work and school and at home. And our previous hand was all 3D printed in the finger links, but it just lacked the strength that we needed. So um, over the past few months, we've actually been redesigning this. We added in the steel, and then I think it was October that we began to release this new model. So it's completely body powered. There's no electronics required. It's a harness that goes around the shoulders. We also have a demo that Kelly's gonna be doing a, bit, a little bit later to show the harnessing and the functionality. Um, but it's just when someone hunches their shoulders forward, it will pull this cable and it will actuate the hand. So then the hand also has some cool features. It has something called adaptive graphs. So I don't know if you'll be able to really demonstrate this, but when the hand's closing, when one finger makes contact, the other fingers can continue to close. So you can get you know, a better adaptability around different objects. Uh, it has a ball and socket wrist. So somebody uh, that you know uh, is missing one hand, they can use their able hand to you know rotate the wrist, flex, extend, put it in positions and lock it down. And then there's also something else called backlock. So when I when I close this and I release it, it will open again. But you know, if you want to hold an object, you don't want to be punching your shoulders the entire time. So what they can do is they can use this little thing called backlock mechanism in here. It might be a little hard to see, but they just push the button down and then close the hand and it'll keep the hand closed. So you know you can carry something, you know, kind of relax more. And then when you want to release it, you just hit the button again and it'll open. And then there's also the thumb that can rotate, so you can carry out different pinch grips, just, you know, makes, adds more functionality for the people that are using it. And then we also use 3D scanning to make a custom socket so it fits someone's limb. Perfectly. Awesome. I think Kelly is going to give us a demo about the hand, or is she demoed something else? Yeah, about the hand. Um, That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, just tell us a little bit about, this is not just form, it's not just something that look like hand, but also functionality-wise, trying to simulate what we can do use our normal hands. Can you just tell us a little bit about what kind of tasks specifically, just give us an idea of how simple or complex can, can, can this prosthetics do? Yeah, it, you know, it kind of varies for everyone. And we're hearing different tasks that people like to do with it all the time. Some people, they just like it for home. You know, if, if somebody has a hand that hasn't been affected, they'll use that for, you know, 99% of their tasks. But they'll use a prosthetic for two-handed tasks or for carrying something usually. Or, you know, some people, they just like it because they want it to look natural. They want it, people to not notice that they're missing their limb. But then, yeah, some people use it at home for you know, cooking and cleaning, dressing themselves. And then I remember a story of someone in uh, Guatemala who was using it for uh, actually holding nails because he could, you know, lock the finger and thumb together and then he could put a, a nail in there and then he just used it to help set it with his hammer and uh, it allowed him to continue being a carpenter. And then, you know, there's people that use it at school. We we're working on some devices that will integrate with the hand for holding, you know, pens and pencils so people can use it at school. And then also, uh, you know, different devices like that, utensil holders, just to help people in their daily lives. Awesome. And then we, we talked a little bit, or actually you wrote about, um, you know, the more traditional, more expensive version of the prosthetics that maybe people in North America or developed countries can have. 
in terms of functionalities, what are the differences? Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of different prosthetic hands out there. From our understanding, most people in North America, if they you know, are registering for a prosthetic, they're usually given the split hook, which is normally closed, and it will just kind of pinch. And they're good, they're strong, you know, they can be used for a lot of different things, but some users don't like them. We've seen them in some of the developing countries as well. And it's just kind of limited in its functionality. So there's some people that want more. Some people that use that, uh, the hook mechanism, you know, for labor jobs. And then, you know, when they want to go out, out in the town, they'll use a Victoria hand. Um, and it just kind of depends on what people want to use. We'll talk a little bit more about this, but I'd love to see the demo that Kelly is ready, if, if she's ready. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we're going to swap spots here. Hi everyone, so I'm Kelly Lights, and this is the Able Body Brace, so it's kind of like a brace that we use for people like myself that have an arm, just so we can test out the hand functionality. And so here I have one of the V300 hands attached on the end, and um, yeah, I can just show you kind of picking up a couple objects and how it works with me shrugging my shoulders and kind of reaching forward and the handle close. So. Okay, Okay. so um, yeah, I'm not sure how much of Kelly I can get, but yeah, go ahead. So then just by hunching your shoulder, she's able to grab onto the object, um, conform around the ball just so it, it's easier to pick up, and then something like the screwdriver as well. And let me know if you want me to also like zoom in a little more or you know get a little closer on the grip i think this is pretty good now my question is can you um, grab like heavier objects yeah so we tell people to try and limit uh what they're lifting with it there are some people that try to lift heavier objects and the hand can you know handle it but you know there still are the 3d printed links in there we just want to make sure that you know everything you know stays in good condition so we, we usually tell people try not to lift objects more than a few pounds mm -hmm. and then and, um, maybe yeah oh, sorry go ahead oh i was just going to show the harnessing on kelly if that's okay yeah of course so uh this is sort of like a traditional harnessing there's a ring on the back and this one goes over the arm uh, on the unaffected side and then this one goes over the uh, affected side and then there's a tricep brace here as well we have a mechanism in here called the force doubler, so it effectively doubles the input grip into the, the hand. Yeah, if Kelly hunches her shoulders, then it will pull this cable and that will help with um, closing the hand. Awesome. I think the major function is, it, it sounds like, is to grab things in different locations and different, yeah. And I also see yeah. the coloring of this prosthetics is interesting. That It looks like almost, uh, look like fingertip, almost like yes. a glove. Actually, I, lo I love that. That looks great. Yeah, so we have the uh, silicone fingertips, um, and that's just to help with, you know, grip as you're, you know, some of the objects that people are picking up have, yeah. are, you know, very low friction coefficient. So this just helps with um, picking up different objects. We tried it with 3D printed um, fingertips before, and it just did not work, so. <laughs> yeah, and then that's usually awesome. it's well be painting the hand, so whatever color will make the fingertips will also paint the rest of the hand to match. So, so the color is painted on, uh, but the socket is custom made for each yeah. Uh, patient. Yeah, that's correct. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kelly. That's an amazing yeah, demo. Sure. My biggest question is, you know, if this design works so well, how come, you know, people in North America, more developed countries, 
aren't really seeing this kind of innovation? Uh, that's actually a very good question. And um, that kind of leads us to something, some news that we got last year, which is we received funding from TE Bankert that's going to allow us to expand to seven sites across North America. So we're going to be being able to deploy this technology in remote and underserved areas. And I think the main reason that this technology has not been in North America until now is that there are the healthcare systems which can help people here. They can you know, cover the cost of the prosthetic device or most of it, uh, most of the cost. And, you know, in the developing countries, people get no coverage at all. So that's why we focus there. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the cost. Um, so over, over there, actually, this sounds almost actually local uh, people can actually make money from doing this kind of work. Is there an economic argument for doing prosthetics let's say, here in North America? And, and what is the cost difference? How, how does it work? So we've heard, you know, sort of varying numbers on costs. Uh, you know, kind of depends on the province, uh, provinces in BC, and then also you know, state to state, there's also differences. But we've heard, you know, that a, a hook mechanism, the one that I mentioned earlier, that can pinch can be, you know, $1,500. Uh, some places that's not covered. Um, we're speaking to some of our uh, friends in North America, and they were saying, you know, a lot of people need to pay out of pocket for that. Whereas ours uh, is a hundred dollars in parts, and then when we're working in developing countries, people like around a hundred US dollars uh, for printing it, and then a hundred US dollars for fitting it, and for the the hourly salaries there, it's it's a good wage. Yeah, so I think that's the question: is whether or not this this kind of design is going to stay in the developing country. And, uh, you know, what is the potential for it to scale here? But what do you think of the general future of using 3D printing as a manufacturing method for prosthetics in the, you know, what's the future outlook for it? I think it's very positive. You go on the internet right now and there's, you know, so many different 3D printed hands. There's the ones by Open Bionics out of the UK. They're doing amazing myoelectric ones. There is limitless solutions in the States. You know, there's a lot of different people that are doing it. And, you know, I think, you know, everyone's just, you know, further developing their technology and they're getting it to a place where it's, you know, more accepted and um, more proven. And I think when that, you know, really, uh, when people figure that out, then it will be more common. So how many patients have you guys helped so far? And what is the outlook for that number? So we fit around 160 in uh, eight different countries where we're working. That's Nepal, Cambodia, Guatemala, Ecuador, Haiti, Egypt, Uganda, and Kenya. And then when we're going to be working in the seven sites in North America, we're going to be fitting uh, 200 prosthetic arms. And then we're also working on scoliosis brace technology, but that's more research. Right? Uh, in terms of your development, your design development, are you guys working on new versions of your existing hand? Yeah, so I mean, there's the, the V300, which we showed, which um, we released in October. And then we're also working on um, a few different designs. So there's the, the VC300. So this is this is normally open. And then when someone actuates it, then we'll close. So it's voluntarily close it. And then we're also working on the voluntary open model. So it's normally closed. And then when you actuate it, it will open. Um, and then when you relax, it will close again. Uh, that's sort of user preference. And then we're also working on the child's hand uh, that has um, metal links in it as well to just add strength. Uh, we're also working on a transhumeral elbow that's using laser cut steel as well. And then um, i trying to think, is there anything else we're working on? <laughs> I think that, that's what we're focusing on right now for hand-wise. 
or, or prosthetic-wise? Yeah, it sounds like right now the main functionality of the hand and probably is the most important functionality is to grab things. And uh, the different kind of design of hand out there perform somewhat of a variable functions. Um, have you thought about maybe create a modular design where you can have, you know, a different attachment or something like that so that, you know, if you want to perform different tasks, you can have this kind of different modular design? Yeah, so we have thought about having uh, different terminal devices. So, you know, a device after the wrist that would be sort of task specific. But then, um, yeah, we're also working on the, the devices which will integrate with the hand. So there was um, some students a few years ago that worked uh, part of a hackathon, and they developed a device um, called PAW, which is the personal assisted writing device. Um, and it has been used uh, by a number of patients, and it, it just kind of goes around the palm, you know, can just um, go on with, uh, with Velcro, and then they attach a pen, um, and then they can use it for writing. And the people that have used that, particularly the children, they found it very useful in school, um, especially if they lost their dominant hand. And then there's also the uh, utensil uh, holding device, which is a similar sort of thing. It just kind of goes over the prosthetic hand. And it just helps because, you know, while the hand can do a lot of different things, it, something like holding a pen, which is very fine, or holding, you know, it's a cutlery, it, it's, it's difficult. Um, so that's why people would prefer to sort of uh, devices which is just specific to that and, and it can all be made 3d printing which is nice yeah no that's awesome um you also mentioned the electronic device a couple times where this hand design does not require any kind of electronics which keep it low but if electronics or electron electronic components become cheaper would you guys consider incorporating it we've discussed it because we've seen you know so many different groups working on it it could be good for some users, but right now we're very focused on accessibility. So trying to drive the cost down while keeping the functionality so we can help the most number of people. And then there, there's groups like Open Bionics, which are doing the 3 They're doing such a great job. It's like, you know, for us to try to come in and compete with that. Difficult. Yeah, maybe maybe one of these days you guys can co collaborate and create a project that combines all the benefits of both designs and something good come out of it. Now, I see a lot of uh, Ultimaker printers behind you. Um, is that the only kind of printer that you can use to print the prosthetics? Uh, it's not the only kind of printer that we can use, but we are using these in all the countries that we're working in. And the reason for that is, you know, we can help standardize, you know, G-code and different designs and stuff like that. And then it's also good for, you know, if they run into an air because these are left in the country. So, you know, different environments like, you know, Haiti's very hot and then some of the um, countries, you know, there's dusty roads and, you know, dust in the air. But these are able to withstand all the different environments. But then if they do run into a problem, they can you know, send us a picture or something like that and we can, you know, easily diagnose what the problem is. We've, you know, we've seen a lot of different problems now. It just helps, you know, make everything a lot easier going. So that's why we're using the ultimate. Well, one of the other reasons I asked that question is if people want to help you guys, what can they do? Because, you know, we don't always have Ultimaker. How can people contribute to the cost of Victoria Ham Project? Yeah, I'm, people are always reaching out to us about um, 3D printing our designs and giving it in their community. And we do want to help the 
do that, but right now our designs are source. And the reason for that is because we go directly through trained clinicians, um, you know, prosthetists and orthotists. And the reason for that is because they, they understand how the prosthetics works, they know how to make all the components, um, and then make sure that when it's fit on someone, it won't cause more harm. Um, so that's why our designs are not source. But there's other ways that people can, help. I mean, we are not-for-profit and donations really go a long way to help provide people with their own prosthetic device. Um, you know, even just like sharing on social media and help spreading the word, that's that's pretty big for us, especially as we're growing. That's awesome. And, and Mike, you and both, I don't know if Kelly has traveled, but you definitely have traveled to different countries, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's your biggest takeaway from all your adventures in these developing countries and, and you know, some of the stories or things that feel, you feel have impacted your vision for the future of Victoria Ham Project? That's a really good question. Um, yeah, so I've been fortunate enough to travel to seven of the eight countries that we're working in right now. I first traveled to Nepal when I was a student doing a internship with Victoria Ham Project, so that was pretty awesome. And I think it's just that, you know, how similar everyone is in all these countries. Everyone, you know, they want a prosthetic device to help provide for themselves and their family. And, you know, unfortunately, in some of these countries, people, you know, aren't able to get work or they're the first to be let go uh, at the end of the season. Um, and there's sort of a stigma attached to losing your limb. So that's why people, you know, they want a hand that looks very natural. When they're walking down the street, they don't want people to know that they are missing a limb. And then, yeah, when they get the limb, they just want to you know, be able to help around the house. They want to, you know, work, provide for their family. And a lot of people just want to be independent. I remember Nick, Nick Decha, the uh, executive director of BHP. He was in Egypt and he, uh, he worked with one of the first patients there. And this guy, he just wanted a hand so he could help um, dress himself. Like he was trying to use one hand and he couldn't roll up his sleeves and do up his buttons. But then when he got the prosthetic hand, you know, it's a little bit of training while they were at the, the clinic, he was able to, you know, begin to do that. And, you know, that's really what we're driving towards as VHP is to make this more accessible to just help people in their daily lives. Yeah, I mean, I think one statistic that's important is I remember you wrote about 80% of all amputees who are missing uh, limbs is actually in the developing country and not really, I mean, we, we yeah, also have some, but actually majority is in the developing country. Yeah, so it's 80% of amputees live in developing countries, and 25% have access to prosthetic care. So think of the vast number of people that just, you know, can't get prosthetic care. Um, you know, they, they've had to learn to live with, you know, one hand, one leg. Um, unfortunately, some people are missing more than one limb. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it's kind of sad because we get messages from people all over the world. We're working in these eight countries, you know, in... I think since the beginning of 2021, we've gotten more than a dozen emails from people, and, you know, just different countries around the world, places we aren't working, they're asking, can you help me with the prosthetic limb? And we're trying to find ways to help them, but sometimes the logistics can be a little difficult. So, yeah, yeah. this is why we'll just keep on expanding so we can help more people. And, you know, as we grow our reach, we can, you know, help people around the world. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure the logistics is a nightmare because, I mean, I'm just thinking how, how why is 80% of amputees in these countries? I mean, one of the reasons probably is because of war or just lack of 
you know, prenatal care or healthcare system in general is not great. So yeah, that uh, adds, accident, right? accidents as well, unfortunately, automotive right. accidents, workplace accidents. Um, yeah, it's it's a very unfortunate, but people yeah. just can't care. But it is possible that 3D printing with this specific design could be a solution for those specific situations where the resource is not there, but now actually technology can help uh, for those people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so everybody who's joining, thanks for uh, joining us today. Uh, let me see if there's any questions from the audience. Not so far, oh, actually there is. So there's one question actually asking, is the hand design adaptable to different sizes? I think that would be actually even more applicable if, you're, if it's, a it's a child. Um, how do you guys um, help a, a child amputee? So uh, when I was in Kenya um, last February, I think month it is, um, and we were setting up the new clinic there, we helped uh, two children. So there was Inamin and he was nine years old, and then there was Ijebu, who was 13 or 14. Um, and yeah, we gave them the child's hand, and the the hand was more suited to Ijebu because she's grown, she's larger. But then for Dinamine, it was a little large compared to his body, but he, unfortunately, he was missing both of his hands, so he was just so happy to have this hand, um, even though it looked a little large on him. You're just happy to be able to you know, pick something up, play, um, grab his mom, and shake her hand. So I, I think the children are less, um, less prone to you know self-esteem issues, and they're just happy to be able to play. But sorry, I'm just going to move off camera for a second. We also do have this hand model, which um, I, I haven't discussed yet, which is the uh, Limforge hand. So Limforge uh, is a US-based not-for-profit that was making uh, cosmetic arms, so similar to this, and they're made by 3D printing, and we recently uh, adopted their technology uh, in December 2018 or something, so now we have, we're able to offer this in our clinics. So with this hand, uh, there's an online database, and take measurements of the affected and unaffected limbs, and the size of the unaffected hand, and then you can 3D print a hand that is um, similar to their size, uh, this one is not for me, obviously, but um, it's just good for people that want um, a cosmetic hand, something that looks very natural, but that they don't want to, you know, they don't need the functionality. They just want something when they're walking down the street, people don't want to miss a limb. And the, yeah, this is a really good option for those sorts of people. Well, maybe one of these days, um, both the cosmetic component and the functionality can be combined and even further polish your uh, future future products. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. We're working towards some other stuff uh, kind of in the background. There's some students helping. Um, but it's in the very early stages, so uh, maybe a little bit until we release anything. <laughs> no, it is definitely hard. I understand it's, it's a really hard uh, project. Um, well, thank you, Michael and Kelly, for joining us today. I'm going to post the link for Victoria Ham Project after uh, we publish the IGTV. Uh, and we will also convert this into a podcast and YouTube channel uh, and videos. And I will also share all the links that's relevant to Victoria Ham Project from our past blogs uh, under the IGTV link. So thanks again for joining us. Thanks Have for having me. Nice. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. That's it for this episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 3D Heels, and check out the links in the show notes. See you next time.